it seemed dire. The end is near. This time it's different. A cataclysmic 30 plus percent drop, 34% plunge in 33 days. And within six months, it's back to those levels. Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. Well, we're so glad to have you with us today on Your Retirement Elevated. Walter Storholtz alongside Scott Dugan, co-founder and managing partner at Elevated Retirement Group, serving you throughout the Kansas City metro area with clients all across the country. You can find us online by going to listen to Scott. Dot com. Again, that's listen to Scott.com. Scott brings more than 19 years of experience. I guess this might be a little old, Scott. Are we above the 20 mark now, I would say? Uh, we are, okay. yes. I'm, I'm updating my, sh- my sheet, my, my info sheet on you. So I can officially say over 20 years of experience o- now in the financial 20, world. Does it make you feel old? Um, all my gray hair and aches and pains make me feel old. <laughs> years of experience just make you feel seasoned, right? W- wisdom. wisdom. It's, it's all that wisdom. wisdom. Yes. 20 years of wisdom, that's what we'll, we'll say. Well, we've got a great show on the way today, and uh, we're talking about classic mistakes for retirees and uh, folks make in the financial world, this should be pretty good. I'm looking forward to uh, your insight on this, Scott, because uh, if there's one thing that we all need is planning for retirement is to avoid mistakes. Yeah, and it's the the thoughts that we have between our ears. That's usually where the biggest problems come from. And we talk a lot about behavioral investment counseling. And a lot of what we do is to make sure people understand what's important to them, what their plan is, what their plan of action is, no matter what's going on in the economy, and to not make emotional, irrational decisions. And I thought this was fitting for kind of what's going on in the world. Uh, you know, if you listen to the, the news or the radio or reading online, uh, you know, it just seems like there's just a, you know, a crisis at, at every turn. Uh, but I wanted to give you some historical context, especially in the last what we call 13 months of oh, what's yeah. happened, because I think it's, uh, it'll be informative once we walk through this. And uh, I please listen closely to see if any of the three P's we're going to talk about today, um, have they affected you? Because I'd assume we, none of us are immune. You know, if we listen to things long enough, obviously we're, we'll get worn down or get uh, get swayed by information. Um, but these are the three P's that uh, have, we call them evergreen. They're just always out there and uh, they're traps that we can fall into that can sometimes have long-term effects on our plan that aren't aren't good. They're not positive effects. So these things didn't just come up in the last year. They've just been exacerbated by everything that's gone on in the last 13 months. Yes. And the three P's, they're usually one or two. You get the opportunity to mess up with one or two of them. Just in the last 12 months, you get the the chance to mess up on all three of them. So it's a rare, (laughs) rare, unique uh, situation. And so So usually we're not being attacked by all three at once. No, no, okay. we, we just uh, could possibly fall for all of them. That's so, what makes this last year so n- unique. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. And to give you a, a frame of reference here, uh, this is something worked on and really was February 19th of 2020. 
through February 19th of 2021. So the numbers I'm going to reference, uh, they're you know about 30 days old, uh, but you're going to get the premise uh, of this. So let's put this into context. S&P 500 uh, index made its last all-time high just prior to a 33-day, 34% plunge as the COVID-19 pandemic burst upon the world. Do we all remember that? Do we all remember that? It was a really scary couple of weeks. Yes. And these 12 months have been instructive as any within living memory and possibly ever. And specifically, this period offered investors the opportunity to make, again, one or more of these three classic behavioral mistakes, uh, unforced errors, you may call them, that have the potential to damage one's long-term plan irreparably. So again, want to make sure we're on the same page here. February 19th, 2020, the S&P closes at 3,386. February 19th, 2021, it closes at 3,914. Okay. Okay. So... It doesn't seem like it, but it dropped all the way back up to 39.14. So as noted above, the first thing it did was go down further than it's ever has in a 33-day period, closing on March 23rd at 2,237 as the economy is forcibly shut down in reaction to the pandemic. But then responding to monetary as well as fiscal stimulus on a scale unimaginable to that point, the market soared recapturing its February peak in just six months, less one day in August 18th. So you've, you've heard us talk before that you know, as of the last really five, six, seven years, the market drops have been extremely quick, followed by very quick, robust returns to previous highs. If you look at that compared to 2008, go back to the early 2000s, those were painful slides that just kept going on and on and on and on forever. Now, what's interesting about this 2008 uh, and now with the pandemic, there's a lot of intervention, a lot of intervention from the federal government, the Federal Reserve to bolster things. So we're not going to talk about that side of it today. Uh, That's more of a tax conversation. Um, But there was a lot of stimulus force in the economy. From there, as the economy recovered more vibrantly than virtually any forecast, as two vaccines have gone into the broad uh, distribution, with a number of others obviously in the pipeline, the markets have pushed into new high ground. And so, you know, the markets are continually to go. Uh, there's more stimulus that has been passed since this February 19th date, another $1.9 trillion being injected into the economy. And all this during a time where it's just been a tumultuous uh, 12-month period of time. So that's what the markets have done. And again, want to make sure we understand the market is not your portfolio. Okay, We're talking about the S&P 500 just as a reference point because everyone knows about that. It's broadly talked about in news outlets and the media. But remember, your portfolio is not the same as the market. All of our clients are invested differently. So it's not a good comparison. The point of this is to keep it in mind that if we're using the markets as an engine to get returns, we want to get returns to grow the money to provide income that we need to get to and through retirement. So again, the fundamental part of the markets, if we were to try to time the markets, get in to go to cash, get out, things move so quickly 
it could have been disastrous for someone's personal plan. So we talk about the three P's or the potentially fatal mistakes. They are as follows. The three P's are panic, politics, and performance chasing. So again, three P's, panic, politics, and performance chasing. And that's what we'll spend the bulk of the rest of our podcast defining those and giving you a few little anecdotes to hopefully you can use your next cocktail party whenever we get to have those again <laughs> and talk to people in person. That's right. Uh, no idea when that'll happen, but uh, maybe soon. Maybe soon, Scott. Uh, let's zero in on panic first, uh, because I feel like that's the initial reaction we all had, right? There was some, no matter how cool, calm, and collected you are, there was a little bit of panic in everybody back in those early days, and and even still today. I mean, this is not something that just then ended. I mean, the pandemic has been ongoing, so uh, there's still probably evidence of this even now. Oh, absolutely, and and to, to kind of back it up, you know, last February seemed like a long time ago, but also it was just around, you know, just seemed like it was a blink in the eye. The initial numbers that kicked all this off, and I won't go into details of the scientists that put it together, but at one time they were talking about this could wipe out 10% of the population. True. Okay. Yeah, that was our early thoughts of how bad this was, right? Yeah, it is. We were seeing videos coming from China of people passing out in the street, and mm -hmm. it just looked like this was straight out of the movies. Oh, it it was just awful. The, The issue is that was obviously not the case. And it could be argued that we did not change our viewpoint after we've realized, well, you know, we're not going to wipe out 10% of the population. But that being said, uh, this definitely represented a 100-year public health crisis and really unrivaled since the 1918 flu epidemic. And yes, the governments responded by locking their economies down across the world, and it set off a deep and almost instantaneous recession. When you tell everybody put the brakes on, don't do anything, it's going to have an effect. And so, and yes, the S&P 500 went down further and faster than it ever had before. And that's what stimulates the panic. It's a response. And it's always the wrong response, as the market demonstrated, to a fairly well in six months, less one day, and ever since. So it it seemed dire. The end is near. This time it's different. A cataclysmic 30 plus percent drop, 34 percent plunge in 33 days, and within six months is back to those levels. Why? Because this was not, we weren't coming in in a weak economy. We were coming in with a pretty robust economy, good stock market, low unemployment, good earnings, and the government came in and asked us to halt everything. So it's an external uh, situation. So as things have come back, you know things have recovered and rebounded. Now, does it mean everything's rebounded? Absolutely not. You know, a lot of things will change. Some things for are not going to be as good, but some things are going to come out stronger and better. You know, so again, panic is never a response. And I know talking to uh, prospective clients and families over this last year, it was interesting to get the question and it would be, oh, I bet you got a lot of phone calls during that time. I bet your clients were extremely upset and nervous. And I said, well, I had three. I had three phone calls uh, for with of people that I needed to talk to and kind of talk off of the edge. 
And it's not because we're special. It's just we over-communicated. We talked through this, a lot of podcasts, a lot of phone calls. Uh, but we gave people context to the situation. And so we didn't have that as a whole, a lot of panic in our uh, clientele. Now, it doesn't mean they weren't nervous, weren't scared at times, didn't lose a little bit of sleep, but they didn't abandon their plan. N nervous and cautious is different than panic. Yes, absolutely. And we we want to always be on the lookout. You know, we, we want to think logically and rationally and, and try to leave as much emotion out as possible. Uh, but yeah, I would say panic, you def definitely don't want to, to go down that rabbit hole. Number two is uh, the, the second P is politics. I don't know, Walter, uh, we don't talk politics on this show, uh, but obviously it's a hot topic right now yeah, for a lot of people. We, we talk about the politics of politics, right? That's more of the, <laughs> the, the direction that we head in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we want to talk more about policy than politics. Mm, even better. Because policy is really what dictates what, what happens. And so, you know, if you think about pandemic, uh, we have a presidential election, uh, a lot of things in the media fanning the flames. So it, it really, all this stuff culminated on election day or for, you know, when the Electoral College certified the results in January. It was surely the most bitterly partisan and on occasion violent, you know, in living memory. And quite large swaths of the population of both sides of the political divide feared the election or re-election of the other side's candidate would represent an existential threat, you know, to American democracy. And many responded to that fear by liquidating their equity portfolios. And I think it's fair to say that the equity market have rarely, if ever, punished the decision more quickly or savagely than they did this year uh, in this cycle. You know, so you definitely, we've said this before, when you let politics muddy your investment decisions, uh, bad things can happen. Our job is not to be political. Our job is to find the windows of opportunity that are available no matter what administration is there. And when your candidate or party wins, the people that are in power, that elected those people in power, they tend to be overly optimistic about the effect that that administration is going to have on their lives. And when your administration or your party loses, you tend to overstate the effect that that transition is going to have on your life. And I'm not saying that it's not a, a very interesting time. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying if we look at what the market's doing, what it's responding to, it is marching along. And as money continues to be pushed into the economy, it will most likely continue to be bolstered by that. Now, I'm not saying that all this deficit spending addition to the national debt is a positive long-term thing. I'm not saying that at all. At some point, we've got to pay for uh, all the programs that we're rolling out. So do I think we're going to see tax changes in the future? Yes. But I've been saying that for quite a long time. And so again, not being on one side or the other, I'm just saying that right now the markets are continuing to be 
good. Uh, they are continuing to perform, and we'll just have to see what we're dealt from a policy standpoint, specifically from a tax standpoint, if and when that happens, how does that affect our clients and how do we maneuver through it? Again, you, we kind of joked around, I'm actually going into my 21st year of doing this. And so I've, I've been through a few presidencies. I've been through different administration changes. And yes, this time it's a little different. It's a little more heated because of social media and the way the media is kind of hanging around. Um, but a lot of things are the same. And we just need to make, again, logical, rational decisions, not let our beliefs get in the way of making sound decisions with our money. It's uh, interesting that we're recording this, Scott, literally a few minutes just by coincidence after um, I think there was the uh, the announcement that the, the Biden team has kind of put out its initial you know plans for the economy and, and another $3 trillion in spending to bolster the, uh, the economy and you know, talking about infrastructure, and this is on the heels of all of the different stimulus packages. So it's a lot of money being spent right now that uh, is going to have to be called back at some point, we feel, right? Absolutely. And it goes back to that. The I learned this from Dave McKnight, you know, the power of zero book. We had David on the podcast uh, last year. The irony is that the national debt at that time was about 25 million or 25 trillion dollars, 24, 25 trillion dollars. And the amount of money saved in retirement accounts was almost the same, about 24, 25 trillion dollars. And so that money that's saved in those IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, it's all tax deferred income. And what we don't know is what's the tax rate going to be when we need to start taking money out of that account to live or we're forced to take it out at age 72? That's the unknown. And granted, we don't know what the market's going to do, what it's going to be worth, but we also don't know how much of the money we get to take out do we get to keep and spend. That's a, that's a moving target. And so I think with everything that's happening with the spending, the idea of being strategic and making tax moves now, between now and 2026, if that still holds, uh, it may make sense to get some money in a tax-favored or tax-free situation to insulate yourself against future tax hikes. Because if you've got something in a tax-free account, if tax rates double, well, what's double zero? Well, it's still zero. That means you take a dollar out of your Roth IRA and spend it. Guess what? You have a dollar to spend. If it stays in the IRA, is it going to be 12, 22, 24, 39.6? And then you had stayed on top of that. I, I don't know. I don't know what those numbers are going to look like. I just know now we're in the lowest tax rates we've seen in a long time. So wouldn't it make sense? Wouldn't it be prudent to explore? Does it make sense to move some money around when the tax rates are as low as they've been and maybe as low as they're going to be going forward? I really enjoyed that. Double zero is still zero. I've got to find a way to use that line in some other way in life. Um, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to use it in, but somewhere down the line, I'm going to be able to say that to somebody. <laughs> I completely support that idea. Double zero I think you is should. still zero. Yep. <laughs> All right. So the three Ps, or, or really four Ps, because pandemic, I guess we could make one of these, but mm -hmm. uh, panic, politics, and then you mentioned the third was performance chasing. Yes. 
So throughout the markets, February, March cataclysm, you know, in 2020, and for many long months afterward, the stocks of the largest half dozen tech companies not only led the market, but at times were the only investments that, was, that were working at all. And some numbers of investors surely use this anomaly as an excuse either to get out or to stay out of the market. So, and it's at least arguable that their retirement plans may never recover if they did that. Others surrendered to the FOMO, which is fear of missing out. Uh, it's a dreaded fear. And they narrowed their portfolio down to just those stocks which had been the hottest over the last block of time. In 20 plus years of professional investing, I personally never identified a strategy that offered greater assurance of substandard performance than buying whatever was hottest in the six months before you bought it. Hands down. Uh, just because something was hot doesn't mean you want to pile on. You, and that fear of missing out is a big emotional thing that we're like, oh my gosh, we, we, we can't get left behind. You know, what if we don't get that? So what if anything might have prevented an investor from falling into any and all of these traps? That's easy. Having a solid, written, goal-focused plan going into the chaos and remaining true to that plan throughout the chaos. I think that's huge. It's the hot hand fallacy, right? Like the the we're in the middle of March Madness and watching the games and the guys made three threes in a row. You just start to think he's going to make that fourth. He's going to make that fifth. It's it's never going to end, but always sort of reverts to the mean. And then they, they miss the next one and it, and it comes back down to the normal average. Yes. And, and so I can't be objective about this for no better reason than that I'm one of those people that have are very plan focused, stick to that plan. I've got people around me, professional in my life that help me stick to that plan. Over the last 12 months past were those who had a well-devised written plan, well-diversified portfolio going into last February 19th, who are still holding that portfolio today. And they didn't get, they didn't panic they didn't let politics and the media sway them. They weren't chasing the hottest thing. They said, this too shall pass. We know we have a plan that's going to work in any economy. And as we come out of this, will there be opportunities to change minor things, to tweak things, to you know, slightly tilt one way or another? Absolutely. But in my two decades of doing this, I've never abandoned an entire plan. We've never had to scrap something because of one thing that happened in the world or in the economy, you know, and I, and I don't foresee that happening in the future. Wise words, Scott. And I think uh, something that we can all try to absorb on the show today, performance chasing, politics and panic, three things that are never good to engage with on your own and then combine all three of them as we've seen this past year and maybe even a little bit of this still going on this year as well into 2021. And that's where we get the recipe for disaster. So good to bring these things up, talk about them, and kind of work through them. Absolutely. And I know that's what Scott does with each and every person that he meets with. Uh, when you come in and talk to the Elevated Retirement Group team, these are the kinds of discussions that you'll have. Uh, what does your portfolio look like? What's your exposure to this? Have you made some decisions based off of panic rather than you know fact and logic and what makes sense for your situation? Have you been performance chasing? Are you heading in that direction? Can we readjust and tweak? 
those are the kinds of things that you'll explore. If you want to come in for a complimentary review of your plan or just ask Scott some questions about your financial landscape and uh, what might need to be done, feel free to reach out. 913-393-4724 is the number. That's 913-393-4724 and online at listentoscott.com. Scott, appreciate the help and the guidance on the show today. Enjoyed it as always, and enjoy this turning weather out there, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Looking forward to it. All right, very good. That's Scott Dugan. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.